Hello and welcome to episode Peter Schaefer of the Cost for Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. We are recording this today just a few hours after the trade deadline has passed, and with me for the second time, I have TSN radio host Ian Mendez. Ian, how's it going? Hey, Trevor, doing well. The Peter Schaefer, does that mean this is episode 27? Episode 27. You know, I had to decide between him, Alex- Alexei Kovalev, or Curtis Lazar, so I don't know. Yeah. It was a tough pick. Man, you're going Peter Schaefer. Wait, didn't, did he not also wear – was he 15? Was he? I don't know. He Because he was listed as 27 on uh, on Hockey Reference. I don't, I don't know. Well, because Heatley was like- 15. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like Peter Schaefer was another number, too. Did he switch? He might have switched when Heatley came. I don't know. Yeah, I think he I think he did. I think he was 15, and then Heatley came, and then he was 27. But I, I could be wrong. I could see that. I don't know. I, I don't know what year it said exactly he, he switched. But anyway, this is episode Peter Schaefer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's just get right into it then. Um, after... Um, after moving Ian Cole today, the total return for Derek Broussard is Philip Gustafson, a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and Nick Mutry, who's pretty much just an AHL body. Do you like this overall deal for the Sens, then? Uh, you know, I don't mind it. I think when you look at this scenario, if you would have told me a week ago that for Derek Broussard you would get a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and an elite goaltending prospect... I would have been like, yeah, okay, I'll I'll take that because I think a lot of us thought there's no way they're getting first round pick plus a prospect plus something else for Derek Broussard, which is what what they were you know kind of rumored to be uh, looking at getting. So you know what I think, given the fact that they seem to be moving out of a win now mode and moving into um, getting rid of some veteran guys, if you felt like Broussard wasn't going to be in your plans beyond next season, I think this is a pretty good um, recoup. But again, I think what what I like to do is I'll go back and I'll reevaluate the Zibanejad for Broussard deal again right. because now it feels like they got rid of Derek Broussard because he's too old. Well, uh, now, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's kind of ironic that they traded for him yes. to get rid of a younger guy. So, I again, it's, it's as usual with a lot of things with the Sens. It's a little bit complicated. It's a little murky, and uh, but you know, strictly looking at the Broussard uh, deal in a vacuum, I don't mind it because I think they got some some pretty nice pieces there. Right, and it definitely hinges on how well Philip Gustafson progresses as a prospect. You know, he's still pretty young; he's only nineteen. But if if he actually does become a starter, all of a sudden that's a really good deal. But if not, then you know they also have that first and third round pick, so you could still get something there. But I, I definitely agree with your other point about Zabanajad. It's kind of it's kind of sad if you look at it as, you know, giving up Zabanajad and a second for um, the package that we got here. And, you know, because Zabanajad himself is a young player. He could be a contributor contributor on this team, but he's not. And um, I think, ideally, I think if I could undo that trade, I think I would. I don't know about everybody else, but I know I would. Yeah, and, you know, I'm. it's tough because I think... When you look at it, when when they traded for Broussard, that was kind of in the middle of them saying, we have Carlson on a really reasonable deal. Let's win now, right? That's why they got Phaneuf. That's why they got Broussard. That's why they got Burroughs and, you know, all these things that they did. And you know what? I think Derek Broussard kind of served his purpose in that he played pretty well in the Boston series last year. I thought his play kind of tailed off after that, but he had a bad shoulder the, the whole time too. So... I think when he was healthy, I actually thought he was a pretty good centerman. That 
my question is now, uh, Trevor, like, who's going to play center for this? Who's the number two center next year? Is it is it J.G. Pajot? Is it Logan Brown? Is it Colin White? Is it is it somebody else? And that's my that's my question here, moving into uh, into the future without Broussard. Right, and it's it's another question if they actually want to be competitive in the near future, right? Because if they don't care that much, then sure, put in Pajot. I think ideally, long term, you'd want a guy like Logan Brown to be that second uh, second line center. I, I I like him as a prospect. I just don't know if he's going to be able to be that good right away. But you're right; that's definitely something that they're going to have to look into. You know, maybe if they are going to try to try to win next year, maybe they you know sign somebody in free agency or, or make a trade or something. I, I it's unlikely, um, but I, it seems like for now they're just going to plug in Pajot there. Um, now after Broussard was moved. I really thought Zach Smith was going to be traded, and I honestly thought Johnny Oduya was going to be traded as well. Obviously, he got claimed by the Philadelphia Flyers on waivers earlier this morning, but I thought he was um, going to be traded for a pick as well. Are you surprised that neither of those things happened today? Yeah, I think, you know what, but now I'm wondering, With did, did too much of Pierre Dorian's time get taken up with the Eric Carlson stuff? I think right. the, the Carlson deal became so... I think I think all consuming that I'm not sure how could you try and execute a deal for Zach Smith or Hoffman or Pajo or you know last couple of days Oduya. The Carlson thing must have been priority one, two, three, and four for Pierre Dorian. You know, the the one thing I'll say though is unlike I think the Rangers had to move Rick Nash. I think um, you know teams that had players on expiring deals, you had to move them. You know, Pierre Dorian, this was kind of a, it was a firm deadline, but at the same time, it wasn't because you do have term left on Zach Smith and Pajot and who are, basically everybody else you want to throw into the mix, they all have term. The only guy that didn't have term was Johnny Oduya. And I think, I think he must have obviously floated him out there in the last couple of days. Nobody bit. I suppose it's a good thing that uh, the contract just got, you know, for the last, a uh, quarter of the season now it gets eaten by Philadelphia. But, um, you know, I, I thought they might have been able to get a sixth or a seventh round pick for Oduya. I suppose they got one for um, Nick Shore. So if you're looking for a late pick, they got one. But, yeah, I'm 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 intrigued. I still don't know as we sit here uh, Monday night, a few hours after the deadline, I, I couldn't tell you definitively what direction they're going. I can't sit here and tell you, yep, for sure this is a rebuild or yep. For sure, they're they're clearing the like I don't know they didn't really they're kind of stuck in the middle here uh, until the, I think they make some more definitive and bold moves. Right. Okay. And that's what I kind of wanted to get into later in the show was just that direction. Like obviously, it, you seem to say that you have no idea where Dorian's going to go. I think there's a million ways that he could go this summer. Um, obviously, Senators fans are hoping that you know he can mend the fences with Eric Carlson and re-sign him. And that's obviously the best option. But other than, besides that, there's so many different ways he can go. And, you know, the thing that complicates this the most is the fact that they don't have a first-round pick next year. So it's going to be awfully hard to sell the fans on a rebuild next year if, you know, it's going to be like a Toronto Maple Leaf situation where they, they trade, um, trade for Phil Kessel and then end up getting the second overall pick. And they should have gotten Tyler Sagan. But, um, you know, they made that trade and they, they get the second overall pick, and they can't even use it. So, I you know, that would be the absolute worst-case scenario for Ottawa if they were terrible next year and didn't even get that pick. So it's just, 
If you could predict what you think Doran is going to do, where where would he take it? I don't even know if you can predict that. No, I don't think anybody can because I don't think a week ago that we thought that the trade of Eric Carlson would be uh, this close to reality. My best guess, I think Eric Carlson gets traded by the uh, by the draft. I really do. And I think um, there was a big part of me today that I thought he was going to get moved uh, by 3 p.m. That didn't happen. But I saw enough sort of, uh, you know, kind of reading the body language and the comments made by Pierre Dorian. Um, and the big one that jumped out to me was him saying, hey, listen, if he's with us July 1st, we'll make an offer, not when he's with us, if he's with us. And I thought, my goodness, that that to me uh, seems like a general manager that is like, I almost think they've gone down the road of, um, of, of trading Eric Carlson. I almost feel like they've gone down too far. Like, I, I don't see how they repair the fact that they were aggressively and actively, and, and I think it's semantics. They'll say they weren't making calls, but um, whether you're making calls or receiving them, you were in um, conversations yes. with multiple teams about Eric Carlson. I think it's, it's semantics. So I think they trade him at the draft. I think they hope like heck that they either win the lottery or come close to it and get a top five pick. And I think they start rebuilding that way. And I think they say to themselves, okay, we've got um, some decent pieces here, like a Mark Stone, uh, like a Thomas Shabbat. I think they'll try and sell Duchesne on, on being around here for at least another, um, obviously, next season. And I think they'll, they'll say to themselves, look, we've got some nice young pieces. we got whatever we get back for Carlson. we got our high pick this year. We're not going to finish 28th or 29th or 30th next year. Let's hopefully take a run at it. That's my best guess. I, <laughs> again, excuse me. I can't. Uh, I can't say for sure what's going to happen because a week ago I probably wouldn't have told you they'd be this close to trading Carlson. So it's right. a fluid situation. But that's my best guess. Right, and I think the last point you made there. I think that's what's frustrating to Ottawa fans is that a lot of people can see that they have this core, and it's especially before they traded Derek Broussard, but. You know, you can see this core of Hoffman, Duchesne, Stone, Broussard, Shabbat, Carlson, like all these guys. And, you know, if you keep Carlson around, I really think they could, if they just surround them with, you know, a few more players, like one or two more defensemen, like get better depth players, not, not guys who are going to be such a drag on the fourth and third lines. If you just surround your top players with, with more complementary players, I, I honestly think they could be a solid contender, but it feels like they're moving away a bit from that. I mean, if they trade Carlson, it's that's definitely going to set them back a few years, even if they end up with a guy like Rasmus Dahlin. Like, I, I, just, I don't think he's going to be quite as good as Carlson. Oh, and your, your previous point, too, about, about Dorian's comments today, you know, there's nothing really else he could say besides saying, you know, he received some calls. I just think he didn't get a good enough offer because if you look at the, the deal that Tampa Bay um, got for Ryan McDonough and JT Miller. That really wasn't that much. So if you're if you're saying that Nemesnikov and JT Miller are kind of a wash, they really didn't give up a whole lot to get Ryan McDonough. So if if you know Tampa was offering maybe like slightly more than that for Carlson, I commend Doran for not taking that deal because that's not worth. Or sorry, that Carlson's worth a lot more than that. Well, I think the issue becomes though. Um... Did Dorian hold out because he wasn't getting enough, or was he insisting on including Bobby Ryan in the deal? Right, and that yeah. was souring other. Like again, there's a whole uh, bunch of layers to this story that at this stage of the game we don't know the answer to, and we might get the answer to that in the next couple of weeks or next couple of months. But 
my my theory is I think I think they're going to trade Eric Carlson, and I think um, we haven't heard from Eric. Uh, knowing Eric fairly well, mm -hmm. I think he'll. Uh, speak to the media tomorrow in Washington. I have a suspicion he'll um, he'll just say this is part of the business, and uh, I think he'll he'll sort of bite his tongue, so to speak. But I don't think he's happy. I'll be honest with you. I don't think he's happy. And I think the only way that they would have gone down this road is if they got an indication that he didn't want to come back. And the question then needs to be asked: Well, well, why doesn't he want to come back? And I I I think. It feels like he's not happy with the direction of this team. But that that's my guess. I don't think he was overly happy when uh, when Kyle Turris walked out the door. I'm going to go ahead and assume, probably rightfully so, he wasn't happy when Alfredson left a second time. <laughs> and I think he's thinking, um, I'm not sure about where loyalty lies in this organization. And I, that's that's my best guess, as I think he's not interested in coming back into what appears to be an unstable situation. And... I think he's he's probably of the mind that I'm 15, six, whatever, 17 months away from from being a UFA. Well, I'll just play this thing out if I have to, and uh, you know that probably scares Ottawa to death to think uh, that he might pull a Stamkos or a, a Tavares and take this thing right down to the wire. Ottawa can't afford that. Uh, that's why I think they decided, uh, Trevor, like we might as well start exploring options to trade him now because if we can't trade him now, we're gonna have to trade him at the draft. He, let, let me put it this way. He can't come to training camp next year without a like a brand new eight year contract. Either yeah. he's he's gone or he's got a new contract, and the logic tells you that uh, at this stage of the game, he's likely he's likely to be gone rather than back with a new contract. Definitely agree there. And and how much blame would you put on ownership for this relationship that has kind of soured a bit? And because if Dorian had offered, um, you know, on July first, if he offers Carlson you know, eight years and 11 and a half, $12 million or whatever, does Carlson take it or would he want to go pretty much no matter what at this point? Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I think this is the concern that Sens fans have. I think I think a lot of Ottawa fans would be okay if they got to July 1st, they made a really meaningful offer. They went to Carlson and said, listen, here's eight years and it's $100 million, okay, which is, you know, roughly $12 million per. Uh, we're really invested in you. And if he says no, well, then at that point, I'm not sure how much blame you can give to ownership if they were willing to pay market value. What's a little bit concerning is we're not even there yet. Like, they're not even allowed to give him an offer. The fact that he's potentially on the way out now, that to me doesn't sit well. And that that kind of signals to me that there's a fracture somewhere uh, with his relationship with upper management slash the owner, Eugene Malnick. Now, we heard Pierre Dorian say today, listen, I had Eric in my office. We had a great conversation. I got a great relationship with him. But we also heard uh, the fact that um, he basically said, look, if he's here July 1st. So, I, you know, you, you, you're kind of getting mixed messages. And I'll take Pierre Dorian at face value to say he's got a good relationship with Eric Carlson. My next question is, does the owner have a good relationship with Eric Carlson? And that's only a question that Eugene Mullink and Eric Carlson can answer it, and whether or not they answer that in the, in the public, I don't know. But we've we've got an indication about where that relationship stood with a guy like Kyle Turris, who sort of, um, I think, probably said a little bit more than he ever probably <laughs> intended to uh, when he said, hey, look, the, the, the GM wanted me. I don't think the owner did. Um, maybe, just maybe, that's what's, uh, what's transpiring here. Right, and I think it's sad that 
honestly, we can probably trace this negative relationship back a few years. You know, there's been a lot of things going on with Melnick the past few years. Obviously, his financial situation isn't that great. Um, you mentioned Alfredson leaving the organiz organization twice, Turris leaving. Um, he's had a lot of good friends leave the team too. I don't know if they were necessarily, I mean, some of them were just regular hockey decisions, you know, like Silverberg leaving the team. But then, you know, I'm sure Mathot not being protected didn't sit well with him. So it seems like there's a lot of decisions that would make him not really want to stay. I, I honestly do think he, he likes the city and, you know, like he met his wife here. He's, um, I'm assuming, well, unless he's traded, his, his child is going to be born here, I would assume sometime in the summer. So, you know, it's, I feel like he's connected to the city. He's just really souring on this organization. And it's also interesting that Bobby Ryan's name was consistently brought up in the rumor mill. But do you think that's essentially just because Malnick wants to keep stripping the payroll down after he trades Carlson as well? Well, and this becomes the question, right? Because if Carlson got traded today with Bobby Ryan and the return that you got back was underwhelming or kind of like, uh, what you saw the Rangers get for for those pieces from Tampa, I th there would have been pitchforks and torches out yeah. in this market, and people saying this was nothing but an old fashioned money dump, like right, like there's there's no two ways about it. Now, Bobby Ryan is a fascinating case to me because here's a guy that I thought was just dynamite in the playoffs last year, like dynamite. They don't go to the third round seventh game without Bobby Ryan. He was. After Eric Carlson, in my opinion, he was their most important and best player in the playoffs. And, and to think that, imagine they would have packaged them both together. Like the two guys that were your leading scorers in the playoffs last yeah. year, you package them together and you send them out the door. Well, I'm, you know, Bobby is a really fascinating guy because I think what happens in these situations is the player becomes the target. The player becomes the whipping boy instead of, well, wait a minute. Who signed him to the contract, right? Who gave him the contract? Because if you, how do you blame Bobby Ryan for taking a seven-year deal at fifty-two million? Yeah. You know, everybody would have taken seven years at uh, fifty-two million. Uh, you know, that was a, that's a no-brainer. And yet, it comes back as like, oh, he's the problem. He's like, well, he's not the problem. It's it's your ability to to project out and and see whether or not um, these guys are worth it. And I think that. And and this is where you bring Matt Duchesne into it too. Is you know you made a trade, you gave up assets, and now the guy is somewhat the clock is ticking on unrestricted free agency. Like, do you would you sign Matt Duchesne to an eight times eight next summer, or are you headed down the same road as Bobby Ryan? Would you you know like there's so many fascinating layers to this, but you know Bobby's one of those guys where I and I think you saw it in the playoffs last year. I really truly think a lot of fans want to see him do well. Like I I on like having gotten to know him in the last couple of years can tell you he is a really likable guy. He's a, he's you know, I've heard dozens of stories. People will send me notes saying, "Hey, look at this. I just ran into Bobby Ryan at this restaurant and uh you know, he, he came over and he took his picture with us. like even when he's struggling. I've never heard a bad thing about this guy in the marketplace. And so you kind of pull for people like that, but at the same time, um it's it's awfully hard to think, Bob, like think Bobby Ryan and Marion Gabrick are on the payroll here, and it's what about a twelve million dollars combined um, in the next couple of years. Like something's got to give. I don't foresee a scenario in which Marion Gabrick and Bobby Ryan are on this team in uh, in September. Right. I think the, the kind of sad thing with Ryan is, you know, 
over the past few seasons, there's been stretches where he's gotten on a roll, and in the playoffs, he definitely sustained that. But like this season, he's he's looked decent at times, and then you know the next game he gets injured, so it's yeah. not really his fault at this point. Like I'm sure he's more frustrated than anybody. Um, but you're right. Like everyone, of course, is going to be going to be rooting for him. And also, I think it's interesting that if there if Melnick really wants to get rid of Ryan's contract and he wants to package it with Carlson. He obviously just wants to shed off all this salary. But the the funny thing is, it doesn't really matter that much if Ryan's contract is off the books for next year, if Carlson is also gone as well. Because I just don't think they're going to be a, a competitive team. So it's not like they need that money to, um, you know, it's not, it's not like they need that money for signing a free agent or something. So that's why, to me, it seems like a move that is purely saving Melnick's wallet um, although, you know, at the same time, it would be good getting rid of that contract long-term. It's still, there's still a lot of term left, but it just reeks of a money move rather than a hockey trade, as they like to say. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's a weird one because I think the situation is simply, um, you know, Bobby Ryan, like you look at that contract for Ryan and you think, okay, well, is that the Mark Stone contract when Mark Stone is an RFA, would you sign him to seven times seven? I think the answer is kind of yes, right? So do they look at that and say, well, that could be Mark Stone's money or Matt Duchesne's money? I, I don't know. But, you know, I also think if they got rid of Carlson and Ryan, which, again, it's plausible that they get rid of them both in and around the the, uh, the draft, like how are they going to – they got to meet the floor. Yeah. The, the salary cap. <laughs> like they, like they can't just – get rid of 14 million dollars 13 million dollars of, of of player salary and expect like to just to hit the floor so uh, this is this is going to be really fascinating i think a lot of people thought for a while they couldn't get rid of the FNUF contract they did and granted they took on marion gabrick but um now the question is can you get rid of bobby ryan um what do you do with alex burroughs one year left do you just eat that and say, okay, well, he's back for another year, or do you buy him out? Do you buy out Gabrick? I mean, they're getting to the point where I think the owner needs to probably say, and I know he's uh, he's seemingly is against buying out people, but maybe you need to spend money to make some money here, and maybe you need to buy out Alex Burrows, and uh, maybe you need to buy out Marion Gabrick. I, I'm not sure about buying out Bobby Ryan, because that's a lot of money and a lot of term, and he's still a guy, like you said, like when he's healthy, um, He's okay. Like, is he a $7 million player? No, but he's probably like a $4 million player. I think yep. he's a 20-goal, 45-point, 50-point guy. Like, that's okay. Like, like that's the thing. Bobby Ryan can play in the NHL. It's not like he's completely fallen off a cliff and can't play in this league. He can play. He's just not probably worth $7.25 I agree. I think if we could summarize this entire situation around the deadline, I think we can just say that, I do not envy Pierre Dorian at all because he's just going to have the toughest job out of any GM this summer. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see. I mean, maybe uh, Bergevin in Montreal might have some yeah uh, tough decisions Shirelli. to make. M- maybe and they, you know they got Pacioretty and uh, some things and yeah, Pacioretty in Edmonton. But man, like Pierre Dorian is going to have this this Carlson story. I'll tell you right now, it's not going away. Uh, it just feels like it got, there was like a stay of execution, so to speak. Like they, they sort of uh, put off their problems for today 
and uh, said, you know what, we'll deal with this in three months. And so it'll still be hanging over his head. And so will Bobby Ryan and so will Burroughs and so will Gabrick and so will uh, Zach Smith and all these other questions that they have. All these guys are are still there. I mean, Cody Cece needs a new contract this summer. Uh, we all know he's, you know, he's a polarizing guy, but, uh, quite frankly, he, he does play 20 plus minutes for them and he's going to go in looking for a new deal. Mark Stone needs a new deal. Like they, they got to spend some money here in, yeah. uh, in the off season. No, I, I agree on all those points. Um, but Ian, I know you're a really busy guy. We can probably wrap it up there. Um, honestly, I could probably go on for hours though, but to finish it off, let's go two really quick predictions First one, where do you think Carlson ends up? Second one, will Melnick sell the team within the next year, maybe two years, so that we actually get some hope? Ooh, um, first one, I, I, you know, the fact that Bob McKenzie said Vegas uh, really made an aggressive push got me thinking, boy, there's a team that has a ton of cap room for next year. Yes. They could probably absorb Bobby Ryan into the mix, too. And they have a, a ton of draft picks, right? Like, think of all those little side deals they made in around the expansion draft. They got multiple first-round picks. They're the type of team I think that would have the assets in the cap space to take on Carlson and Bobby Ryan. And I still think that that's going to be Ottawa's preference uh, when when they do this. So that would be my guess is is Vegas. Uh, but I suppose the field and, and the dark horse, horse I'm going to throw in there, uh, Trevor, is the New York Rangers. And they're clearing Ooh. the deck. And I know the Rangers said, uh, we're going for a rebuild, but you can't tell me if they had a chance to get the most dynamic, flashy defenseman and pair him up with Hank Lundquist and Eric wouldn't, I'm sure Eric would love that. I'm sure Hank would love that. Um, you know, I, they're clear in the deck there in New York. And I know that, I know they said that they're, they're in for a rebuild, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made this 27, 28 year old uh, Carlson the, the focal point of that. So that would be my guess. Number one, Vegas, and then Dark Horse, I'd say the Rangers. You know what? As for the Melnick thing, this is, this is unbelievable to me. Like, I, I, the, the way that this is played out, I don't, I have no words. Like, I mean, <laughs> and I've known, I've known Eugene now personally for about 15 years. And I, you know, he's always been super nice to me. He's had all the time in the world for me. Um, but right now, I don't, I don't see how this ends well for him because it just feels like uh, the amount of distrust between the fan base and the owner, like it almost feels like it's irreparable. It all, like to me, it feels like there's nothing he can do or say to you, the fans that'll make you say, oh, you know what? All is good. That, no. That's just my interpretation. I could be totally wrong. No, that, that but, seems correct. But that's how it feels. And, and I'm thinking, well, if that's how it is, then I, I don't know what to say. But, you know, there were so many rumors that he was close to selling the team and struggling to, to make ends meet, you know, a couple of months ago. And we thought, okay, well, here we go. And yet there's been nothing. So, you know, I think three months ago, I thought, I, I'll be honest with you, I thought a sale was imminent uh, based on all the chatter that I had heard, all the innuendo that I had heard from some pretty reliable people, in my opinion, that seemed to think that this was imminent. Now we get to basically now we're at the month of March. I'm not hearing anything. It leads me to believe that I don't foresee a scenario in which he sells it in the next six months or 12 months. That's not to say that he doesn't, but I still don't, 
I don't feel like this is going to end well. Like if that, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like this team will ever move. I don't think the league will ever allow that. I still think they're going to end up in LeBreton. I just, it just feels like it feels really weird to me that this is where we're at. That the owner doesn't like the fans, the fans don't like the owner, and we're all kind of just waiting for okay, well, when's that next shoe going to drop, right? So. I'm as interested as, as everybody else. I'd love to. I've tried to have Eugene Melnick uh, back on the show uh, with me and uh, have had no luck lately. And <laughs> I'll keep trying and, and hope that, uh, you know, we can get some answers to see how this is all going to play out. But I think they have to figure out how they can build back trust with the uh, with the men and women who have been fans of the Ottawa Senators, whether it's for, for five years or 25 years. There's people that are saying, I'm done. I'm checked out of this team. And a lot of them are pointing the finger at, at the owner. And so at some point, everyone needs to come together at the same table and say, how do we solve that? But most fans I talk to say, well, I won't do it if he's the owner. So I, I just don't know what to say. I just honestly, Trevor, I don't I've I could not have foreseen the situation being this awkward and this sticky. Um, not saying that he can't get out of it, but my goodness, he has a mountain to climb if he wants to win back the fans in this city. Definitely. And I can't say I know exactly how people felt in the franchise's early days in the mid-90s, but it does seem like right now is one of the most depressing times to be a fan of this team just because nobody trusts ownership. It doesn't seem like they're going anywhere. Like I can't imagine this team winning a Stanley Cup under Eugene Melnick. And I think people aren't really going to buy into this, this ownership group until... LeBreton gets done and he sells the team to somebody else honestly yeah I yeah I think so it just it uh it it's so weird it's it's really it's really disjointed I I don't know what else I can I can add to it other than I I really feel like I've covered this team uh you know I was around for those losses all pretty much yeah all the losses to the Maple Leafs in the playoffs, I was there. I was there when they declared bankruptcy. I was there when Alfredson left the first time, which I thought was more painful than the second. And um, I'm not sure that I've ever seen the fan base like this. And I, I, I like to think I have a really good feel on for the fan base and the pulse. I don't think I've ever felt the venom, the anger, and what's really troubling to yeah. me is the like the the like the the almost impending sense of doom and apathy, like. I've got nothing else to do. Like, this is going to be, I'm resigned. Like, I guess the word is resignation. Like, a lot of Sens fans feel resigned to their fate. And that's, I'm really disappointed by that. Because, I mean, I love, I love, love, love covering this team. I love what it means to the city. I love what the organization does here. And I, I, it breaks my heart that there are people that love this team that are just willing to check out. It honestly breaks my heart. Because I feel like I've been along for the ride for so many years. And, I, I don't like to see that. I'd like to see this thing fixed, and uh, I just don't know how we go about doing it. Fun times in Ottawa. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think we can wrap it up there, though. Ian, as always, thanks so much for your time. Anytime, Trevor. My pleasure. And I, hey, while we were chatting, I double-checked. Peter Schaefer did wear number 15. All right. There you go. <laughs> as I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost Per Pointcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you can rate and review in those places as well, as the reviews help a lot. You can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS and read my articles at Silver7Sends. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, let me know. That's all for me. Adios. Adios.